co-host Lei Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discussed today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoyed this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts. And of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am the managing director at Sino Auto Insights, a global management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which of course I encourage you all to do. Lei, can you please introduce yourself? Hello, good afternoon, everyone, and this is Lei Xing, your co-host, former chief editor of China Auto Review. And this is episode number ninety-five. So let me start off by asking you two a question: Can we finally say opening up instead of easing up? I don't think we can, Lay, <laughs> because at least、I、domestically, still, <laughs> it, well, it, it's opening up, but there's going to be at least six six months worth of a mess that is going to go kind of spread across China. You know, I think health. Experts are saying over eighty percent of all Chinese could end up getting the virus. There was an article today in the Financial Times that said that Beijing has run out of fever medicine. Yeah, and so it is going to be quite messy because remember CNY is right around the corner, so there's going to be a lot of people traveling. It's one of those things where easing is still probably for me the right verb. So you know, for me, the 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 share of My WeChat moments posting about being getting positive has gone up significantly over the last twenty four、yeah, to forty eight hours. Yeah, because there's no repercussions, and people are 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 discussing, you know, which medicine、uh, if they can get them、uh, are best for for coping with being positive. And we should let everyone know that prior to this change in policy. If you went to the pharmacy and purchased any aspirin or acetaminophen or whatever Benadryl, you would have to register with the pharmacist. So it was documented. Now I don't believe they're doing that, and that's why people are making a mad dash for one person tells another person, "I'm going to go get some fever medicine," and next thing you know, there's a line out the door at your nearest pharmacy, and everyone has bought three, four of this fever medicine, and you've run out now. And you had started off your newsletter by using a word "whiplash," <laughs> and I felt it's. Like a light switch that was turned on three years late, I think that's that's the feeling that probably many of us who, I mean, me personally, who haven't gone through that, is feeling like because it's almost like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to to experience that that green cold thing anymore, ever. <laughs> oh, I, you're not you're not missing anything. Like, let me tell you that a bit of、uh, the Shawshank、uh, Redemption, right? Once you're Inside that wall for 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 a long period of time, you you kind of don't want to leave anymore. <laughs> At the end of the day, that green code or that QR code was just a confirmation of where you're at. They always know where you're at, but this just confirms your location as opposed to triangulating where you're at. So 
whether or not you have to do this QR code. Because at the end of the day, I've been I'm being told that there are no more testing centers, or there's very few. <laughs> when I left, I was within 500 meters of about five of them. Anyways, the, the turn of events, uh, as you pointed out in the news, it's just, I mean, ever since Thanksgiving, right? 20 and days. you know why that is, Lei? It's because <laughs> they control the media. And so everything seems so negative and negative. And then everything is COVID zero, COVID zero, COVID zero. And then, like you said, this light switch turned on and everything on, on, on social media, everything in the official news is completely different. So anyways, the joke is the real pandemic begins right now in China. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the joke because people are going to, you know, go through that, what the West went through more than two years ago. And I'd love to hear your theory because thank you for reading at least the the, the heading of my newsletter, or the top of my newsletter. I had thrown out a couple theories as to why this sudden 180 degree turn first the Wall Street Journal had reported that Terry Goh, who is the founder of Foxconn, had written a letter to the Chinese government imploring them to change their policy, change their stance because of how he thought the economy was going to be permanently damaged. And so I believe, and let's assume that there are two sets of books that the Chinese government keeps, the real books and the books that they announced to foreign media. And I believe the real books, and this is inclusive of what they're forecasting for 2023 with the, re- with the global recession in play, they saw nothing but red or black. Sorry, black. They saw nothing but black, which is actually bad in financial statistics in, in China. So red means good and black means bad. So when you're in the red in the United States, it's it's bad. But when you're in the red in China, it actually means good. <laughs> yeah. And the, the second thing was, I do think these protests really made a little bit of a difference. At the end of the day, it's the economy. Terry Go or anybody else. That's that's the biggest thing, right? The central what the central committee recently had a meeting and I think the priority for 2023 was Again, domestic consumption, spurring or stimulating that. And you can't do that without everything shutting down. So I think the, the, the realization has finally come that you, you, you have to open up or ease up one way or another. And that's what's happening. And, um, yeah. and we've gotten past the inauguration of uh, Xi Jinping's third term. So <laughs> I think that was kind of a major, the major thing that needed to happen before any zero COVID policy was going to be shifted. Yeah. So that means that, Lay, if I'm correct, around six months is a little bit, it, it, the April is when the Shanghai Auto Show will be. Oh, boy. So I'm hoping that <laughs> we have an early Ch- Chinese New Year, so that I think is helpful because as long as COVID is going through China, it is going to be still more uh, hectic 
than it normally would be in a normal China. And you and I have lived there long enough to know that normal China is pretty hectic. Yeah, so, and I think it, it, it'll take a, some time. I think people have realized or, or realizing that the scariness sometimes is, is inflated. And now through all the, you know, the, the hospitals and the shutdowns, now the understanding is it's, it's a cold, right? Or, or a little bit more than a cold, but nothing more. And, and you go through that. As long as you're vaxxed, I think that's the other important thing. Yeah. I think if you're not vaxxed, you have a higher likelihood or a higher chance of getting a serious side effect, or not a side effect, but a serious symptom. So speaking of Chinese New Year being early, this is a good segue um, going into sales a little bit. So early... Usually a early Chinese New Year means you add these incentives on top of the expiring subsidies, end of the year push, all of these, and then, you know, kind of people going back, finally traveling. So we already had a, another record NEV sales, just the passenger vehicles in, in November. That won't last long. So December will break it because of those factors. <laughs> Tesla throwing more money on the hood. <laughs> 36% penetration rate retail. 36 point, 30, don't forget that point three. 36.3%. <laughs> so more than a third of every passenger vehicles sold are now in NAV. And there's two reasons for that. One is the high take rate, but also that ICE sales are going down. So it's amplifying the number of NEVs being sold. Yeah, so the denominator is actually smaller, decreasing while the numerator is uh, increasing, sort of. Yes. Right? So simple math there. But remember that the Chinese government's goal three years ago was 25% by 2025. And this was before COVID. So this is during a COVID-ravaged lockdown quarantine year and which in retrospect without covid it might have been lower do you, you see what i'm getting at yeah some of these purchases totally where, where, where do people spend their money not traveling internationally right so i want to call this out that lower denominator that small denominator should freak the foreign legacies out because that original sales and production plan that they had in 2021 and 2022, they need to throw that out the, the window and they need to regroup and they need to reconstitute a product plan that is going to support over 30% NEVs in the market in sales. The case in point, I think all the Big three Japanese brands, I think their sales were uh, horrendous in uh, November. I see everything. I think Nissan was only a little bit over 40,000 units. Right. I mean, they, they, they've they been doing six digits, I remember, before. So that's a, that's a huge delta. And I've been telling people this, and I, I feel like a broken record because you and I uh, remind people of this all the time, but I've been telling people that this is going to come faster 
than people than the legacies realize, it's going to come faster in Europe and it's going to come faster in in the United States. So that let this be the canary in the coal mine for the other regions. The legacies hopefully are learning their lessons and saying we need to get our act together in the U.S. and in Europe and be prepared for it these take rates to be considerably faster than original forecasts. And we were in the Climate Transformed conference panel yesterday, and and one of the big (laughs) factors we talked about was export, NEV export, being a significant share of the sales numbers. So let's say this year, you sit here in newsletter, you you and I are in agreement. You said 6.7 to 6.9, I think. I said yeah, 6.8 yep. million long time ago. So out of that, probably the the 800,000 or so are going to be exported. So that's a huge number in itself. 800,000, it's roughly equal to the number of EVs that are going to be sold in the U.S. this year to compare, right? <laughs> and remember, the only major exporter outside of SAIC is going to be Tesla. And the other number is, I think, so it's going to be uh, close to 3 million, everything exported out of China. So right behind Japan as the second largest uh, export, vehicle export, exporter. And uh, uh, going to Tesla a little bit. So uh, the top three selling models, Model Y was still pretty good. Number one, Mini EV second and BYD Song, including some of the... It's a year, it's a year younger than the Model 3. <laughs> And it's an S- and it's an SUV crossover. So yeah, and and the Chinese brands. I mean, look at their penetration within the Chinese brands is well over fifty percent. Half of all the Chinese brand passenger vehicles are NEVs. I have to point to that tweet you just tweeted an hour ago, maybe, where you said over ninety percent of all NEVs sold was under or equal to three hundred thousand RMB. I wrote this down. <laughs> Go ahead. The bulk of that, just to add the number, 43% of that 92% is 100,000 to 200,000 MMB. So I wanted to make sure, because so I wrote this down, and I don't normally take that many notes. I just normally riff. You and I riff during this hour. But if you plan, and I'm talking foreign automaker, I'm talking new domestic EV maker in China, if you plan to enter that mass market sub, 300,000 RMB vehicle segment, whether you're a sedan or a crossover or an SUV, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Unless you have in your cost model spending a ton of Rambos, of RMB on marketing, on getting your message out there. And even then, it might not be enough because it is murderous sub 300,000 RMB. You know, we're still seeing these uh, big announcements. So two in particular is the uh, Honda procuring 123 gigawatt hours. That's, by the way, that's for vehicles for China alone. Yes. So that's well over a million units. They're planning the the rest of the second half of the decade. And then BMW Group is going to have 11 BEVs uh, group-wide in China next year. But they're not playing in the 100,000, 200,000 market. <laughs> no. So, so but, but they're, they've miscalculated 
severe, uh, let's say German Legacy Inc. has miscalculated over the last three years in the China market, specifically for NEVs. And it's put in even more pressure on them because at least on the premium side, ABB has done okay on the ICE side. But, you know, I think that they are going to be very challenged because BMW is still shipping converted ICEs as EVs. And I don't think that's going to change. That 7 Series is basically a petrol 7 Series. So, and, and you know, we talked about this two weeks ago. The EQS uh, had a $30,000 haircut, didn't it? Or $20,000 haircut. So they need to sharpen their pencil, meaning that they need to price competitively. And then they need to reconcile the current features in the vehicle. And, and you've always said this. Over the last you know twenty months we've been doing this, the hunted is the the hunter is now the hunted. BMW, Mercedes, and Audi need to study the domestic brands and how their brand is resonating with Chinese consumers. Yes, and and again, case in point, Volkswagen is having specifically SASE Volkswagen is having this backlash over the uh, black screens on, on ID fours. Right, there was a complaint that was sent by the owners, and uh, you know these these things. <laughs> I I think that is the same issue in yeah. Europe too. So, so this is like I say this. I've said this, and you've probably heard me say this. Lay this is blocking and tackling. This is not a feature that is going to be an option that people pay more for. This is just normal day-to-day operations. These need to work all right. the time. And I'm reminded of that story I've told before where my old colleague from GM said, if we built cars that worked 80% of the time, <laughs> we'd be out of business. So this is the craziness about, and people will learn. The legacies, the auto journalists that are firmly, firmly in the automotive space, but have not taken the time to really understand the transition that's happening. I think they're going to see as well that it's going to come faster than they think. So, yeah. What other big news this week? No, just just you know, looking at the crystal ball a little bit. So we know well over five million units uh, the first eleven months. Uh, CPCA came out with a you know kind of a their update. And the Secretary General said, without possibility of, you know, these stimulus policies being extended. So the way as is, he's expecting 8.4 million new energy passenger vehicles in 2023, uh, wholesale, uh, a 30% growth. So still growing. But he did say that the overall passenger vehicle market will be flat. if the uh, the current purchase tax half off isn't extended, which we kind of talked about that 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 could that be a possibility? Uh, we don't know. So there's still some debate probably behind the scenes on whether some of these policies will be extended because come January, January is going to be a short month because of Chinese New Year. So January data will be very bad. You know, we we can say that. But this year, I mean, the foregone conclusion is is another year of nearly double growth. But 2023, much more cloudy. 
we're not as confident in in <laughs> maybe as before and uh, when when it was this time last year right so goldman did say that global vehicle sales growth wasn't going to really resume until 2024 and that's in a late in one of the latest reports that i saw from from goldman sachs and so i think it's going to be a challenging year to be a brand new ev maker in 2023 I think that's okay for a lot of the newbies because they're not likely going to be able to manufacture many units to begin with. So like the the Fisker Ocean, this could be a blessing in disguise for them. They're not planning big volumes anyways. I think they're pretty pragmatic. Yeah. So, so this is, again, this could be a blessing in disguise for them. And what we should see is the cash-rich EV companies really take advantage of the cash-strapped EV companies. So although... Speaking of newbies, (laughs) we we will get into it. (laughs) Neutron. So I don't know if we're misled or if we just assume they ran out of money. But if you peel the layers back, they said that their manufacturing partner, Dorsen, does not have a manufacturing license currently. Yeah. And so they still plan on launching a vehicle in 2023. I think the reason is not so much that Dorson does not have a uh, manufacturing license. The reason is because the uh, the entity, uh, Neutron is the brand, but the entity behind Neutron, the, the registered company, is, is called Martian Stone Technology, which is partnering with Dorson. Now, the latest regulations says that both of these partners kind of need to get acquire that license to produce. So, yeah, yeah. So oh, that's, okay. that's uh, what, what's behind that this, you know, I said Neutron is done, but technically they're not done. They're just delaying <laughs> that this, you know, they can't produce. So they have to... <laughs> so, yeah, so... If if you don't produce at a manufacturing facility for two years, your license becomes dormant, and you have to recertify. Yeah, so everything. so he's Lee and I. He's kind of scrambling for partners, but then again, I mean that's that's taking it too simple. I mean, how can you just look for a new partner and you expect to start production of a new brand and model like that? Right? Like like yeah. So we're seeing the advantages play out of having an asset light model that with a contract manufacturer, but now we're also seeing the disadvantages of an asset light model with a contract manufacturer that is not able to, you know, uh, hold its end of the bargain. So I agree with you. You can't just, it's not like this willy nilly thing. I've been working with you on engineering planning and production planning, and I'm going to swap everything over to lay contract manufacturer. And by the end of 2023, job one is going to roll off the line. And I'm a little bit surprised that the actually the overall reaction, at least uh, on the from the Chinese uh, chatter uh, and industry, is actually one of respect for what Li Yinan did with this decision. Because it's tough, right? It's it's, it's tough to, to come out and, and say it's too bad that, that we have to do this. <laughs> so 
Well, they they were going to be expecting delivery very soon. So, because originally I believe job one was supposed to roll off in October. But still, I mean, if you know that you don't have the license to produce and then you launch and and it's kind of jumping a gun a little bit. Uh, Without question, I don't. I don't know how you would take 24,000 orders without already having that kind of sorted out. And then the other interesting story behind the Neutron is is Thorson is basically a one of the plants that Zoltai owned. And apparently the Zoltai chairman gave this plant to his son to operate. And if you remember history, Zoltai was had a strategic cooperation signed with Ford, let's say in 2018 or ish, yep. that never materialized. So anything you have, anytime you have this company, Zodai, by the way, is uh, they restarted production, but they've been in trouble for a long time. So a- anytime you have these kind of backstories, it's it's kind of shaky, right? So that's what I'm thinking. Shady, shady, not shaky, shady, yeah. Shady. Bogus. So not surprised that this uh, Neutron is in, in, in this, yeah. And wasn't Zotai also ha- had a, a relationship with Gentoo? No, I'm not aware of. Maybe not. Maybe yeah, not. maybe a different company. But speaking of jumping the gun, right, <laughs> we, we, we can talk about the Tesla CEO. Oh, Tesla? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So my guys are telling me he's not the current global CEO. Oh, God. So so good scoop by by good friend Danny Lee from uh, and his team from Bloomberg. <laughs> well, they they did verify, so I think that's important because Ping West came out. Let the if if folks are wondering what we're talking about, Ping West yesterday came out with a news story saying that Tom Zhu, who is the the architect behind Shanghai Gigafactory. He's basically the project manager. He became Tesla China head and then uh, Tesla Asia head. There's a rumor that from, well, there's a report from Ping West that Elon had made him the global CEO. And now there have been discussions with Elon and Tesla's board about having found a replacement for Elon. And it very well could be Tom. There hasn't been any handover of duties and title yet, at least no confirmation from Tesla. So I think it's important to not believe it until, and this this could happen still, you know, a year or two away. So let's just say this, Tom would probably be a good candidate for for CEO, but obviously that CEO position will entail different responsibilities because Tom is the Elon's double, basically, from a workaholic perspective, from burning the 3 a.m. oil perspective, (laughs) right? But maybe complementary skill sets as opposed to, you know, because Tom is probably kind of a manufacturing guy, guru kind of guy. Yeah, so that's, which is, let's forget about the CEO rumor, but from the Bloomberg article, that the fact that he is in Austin with some of his engineers, I mean, that in itself is crazy that, that you would depend on, on this guy being Chinese, right? It points to the amount of trust that Elon has in him to get Austin up and running. 
Yeah, so that's that's the thing which is very crazy to me that that there's no other manufacturing expert beside Tom that Elon has to depend on him being here. Well, but the Tesla way is going to be very unique, right? Because if you think about it, Lay, outside of BYD, there are no other car companies building a million electric vehicles out of any factory in the world, right? So Tom has domain knowledge that likely no one else in the world has. And he's worked with Elon specifically and Elon's trusted team. So I don't see that really being that unusual that he would send a team of ninjas that (laughs) came from Shanghai Giga, Giga when Shanghai Giga in 2020 launched. And now less than two years later, it's at 1.2 million units. It is the major export hub for Tesla in Europe. It used to be anyways in Europe and Asia. And so in amazingly short period of time, it's become Tesla's most important factory. So Tom has been, to your point, probably a nonstop workaholic. Now, I had tweeted, because I'm a cynic, that the moment (laughs) an Austin Giga employee feels that they're getting pushed (laughs) uncomfortably to overwork or, you know, in an unsafe way, there's going to be leaks about stories for sure. Yeah, that's the question mark. That The same formula that works for Giga Shanghai might not work for Austin, right? It won't. It won't. Because the other thing that's important is that the suppliers need to buy into this too. And the amount of leverage that Tesla has in China is probably a bit more than it is in the United States. Let me just say that. I mean, in, in terms of purely a operations sales, we're still seeing good numbers, but there are all sorts of danger lurking beneath, uh, right? Uh, going into 2023, there's been some chatter on, on BYD shares uh, in, in certain segments that that Tesla is not being able to play with, right? The Model 2, $25,000 car, but it's, I mean, are, are the good times over, you know, right? Those are the type of se- sentiment that, that I feel. Uh, I mean, they're still growing, but the overall market is also growing. That pie is getting much bigger, where a lot of the segments that Tesla is not going to be playing with. That's why you see their share is actually going down, despite having you know, these uh, record volumes. Well, let's, let's just say this. You were, we're in that WeChat group with you-know-who, and if Tom Drew or somebody else became the CEO tomorrow, you'd probably take a pretty big hit. Uh, the, the share price would take a pretty big hit because there's probably a 15 20% bump just because Elon is CEO of Tesla, okay? And I think this is Elon's opportunity to take a step back because he sees how much currently Tesla relies on the China market, not only for sales, but for manufacturing and export. And this is his opportunity before any new products roll out. Now, Cybertruck's supposed to be launched in 2023, but he can rebalance the importance of each of these factories now because Austin's going to come online 
and then uh, Berlin is also going to going to come online. So these price cuts that you're seeing in China, they could happen in Europe, they could happen in the United States, and it's going to create a lot of bang for Tesla's buck from a sales volume standpoint in those regions. Okay, so I might take the time to say how much if I'm Tesla management board of directors, Elon. I don't know if he has time to do that with everything that he's doing and screwing up at, on Twitter, but I might take a step back and say, how much do I really want to rely on the China market? Because from a manufacturing standpoint, great. But we see now the ultra competitiveness that I don't believe Tesla was prepared for. They didn't foresee how competitive the Chinese market was. I think they thought they had two, three years of runway for the three and the Y, the MIC three and the Y. And they had the ability to manipulate pricing in order to extend that out. Yeah. In in retrospect, yes. I mean, when when all the brouhaha of, of Giga Shanghai being broken ground and he was dancing, uh, right? Yeah. Because we have to remember also, Lay, that the Cybertruck, I don't think it's going to really take that many buyers from the Silverado, the F-150. So let's say that it's more niche. It's not a volume driver to me. I could be completely wrong, but I'm probably (laughs) not. So is it going to be Model 3 and Model Y sales volume? I don't believe so. Absolutely not. And at the end of the day, they have to sell more 3s and Ys to get to 30, 40% growth year over year. Okay. And so we, I think you and I agree that Tesla was overvalued. Most practical people do. And is half a trillion dollars the right market cap? I I still don't know. I still think it's pretty fat, especially when you consider that BYD is- Right around around 100 billion with Porsche. Yeah. So a quarter, around a quarter of that value, right? And within what, 18 months, BYD is going to- No, I think- Less than that, they'll be the number one EV maker in the world. So, well, I mean, uh, the way I see it, I think BYD and Tesla are the only ones getting the great A's on these execution uh, operations manufacturing. But I think they're also in the same boat when it comes to further upping the ante, right? From 2 million to 4 million, from 1.5 million, again, 50% growth. It's becoming a lot harder, no matter how you look at it. That 50, 60, 70% growth with the current product lineup is not going to come out of China. There needs to be another product and it probably needs to be that sub 30,000 US dollar, that sub 300,000 or around two, 225, 250,000 RMB product. But fair warning, Lei, what did I say at the very beginning of the podcast? If you're thinking about entering that market, don't. Yeah. Because it's going to be hard for them to sell a Model 2 in the volumes that they would need to in China. It would sell like crazy in Europe and it would probably sell like crazy in the United States. And that 70,000 or so Model Ys in November, that's after that price cut announced at the end of October, right? Uh, yes. There was still factor into it. So. So let's let's I'm just going to throw this out there in the next 2 years in order for Shanghai Giga to to have an 80% domestic consumption, you know, let's say 6 7 800,000 units, they need a refresh 3Y and a Model 2. Well, the refreshes are coming, rumored. 
end of the year though end of 23 is supposed to be yeah. the model 3 and with Jidu Auto with Xiaomi that is going to be a, another big battle right well there's also been some chatter about Xiaomi not how do i put this their plan is is not going as smoothly as planned I heard about that. And there was even some rumor that Bianca... I heard about that too. ...was already <laughs> letting some people go. But, you know, those are those are not confirmed, but, right? Is- so what, what I will say about Bianca is that they probably have one of the biggest checks to get to job one. So I don't think they should worry or need to... Not, not yet. They need to worry about raising capital. I think they have a fairly substantial potential credit line. I could be wrong, but from what I've heard, it's, you know, they've already raised a pretty decent amount. And um, yeah, uh, and both of these companies are looking to make a pretty big splash, right? So, so uh, you know, we're pretty much done for the topics, but I think going back to that central committee meeting about spurring uh, domestic consumption being a priority, I I get the sense that we may see additional stimulus because you're coming out of the pandemic or you're actually going into it. And how do you make people spend again and on what products? So so look out for for specific policies to be announced. I I have a sense that that the kind of the direction, yeah. And you know that Li Bin, He Xiaopeng, and, and, and Li Xiang, they, they're, they're talking the Chinese government's ear, ear off to help incentivize the market to keep it going in 2023. So I think through summer, it's going to be pretty pretty crazy in China. For sure, we, we cannot expect a, another 100% growth. Growing from 7 million to 14 million, that's right. It's just not possible. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this. It's three three forty six. Let's open the room up, Lay. But I have a three way announcement about BYD. Want your thoughts on it? First, Stella Lee said that they're going to be opening up a battery factory in the United States, and to be generous, they're going to maybe open up two assembly plants in Europe. So this is a, a difference in what we'd heard prior about their aggressiveness for the U.S. market. And the third thing, another BYD-related Yang Wang. <laughs> news. Well, the, I'll, I'll, I'll say fourth. So Yang Wang was launched. The logo is, you know, it is what it is. But the other thing that I think is very, very, very important is that the first BYD Auto 3s have rolled off the line in India. Yeah. And so I, I tweeted that that was what Tesla wanted. And so long story short, BYD is getting there by shipping kits from Shenzhen to India and doing final assembly in India. Yeah, kind of eating Tesla's launch a little bit. And the Addo 3 is rapidly becoming BYD's Model 3, it seems. Yes, and it's a global car. Malaysia just launched, right? I predicted that within three years, the Auto 3 could be a top five seller in Europe. I saw 
Elliot's review. He seemed to be impressed. I trust his judgment. And so watch out Renault, watch out Nissan, watch out Volkswagen in your in the European market. So I don't have anything else, man. Hold on. Let me check my newsletter to make sure there's anything else that that we can kind of talk about here. Apple Car is the other kind of the topic that that was. Yes. Delayed again. And it's going to be more practical. It's going to have a steering wheel. And so special projects team is probably getting a little upset about this because there's still a lot of car guys at the at, at, on the special projects team. So I'm sure they're wanting to launch a vehicle pretty soon. I'm anxious and I'm curious to see that facility near Mineta because in the Bloomberg article that I referenced, they had built a new facility near San Jose Mineta. So, and that's where the, the pro- special projects Titan team is going to be doing most of their work. So <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. And I will next time I'm in NorCal. So <laughs> if it was a Tesla, I'd consider it, but any other car I'm, I'm not really looking to uh, venture out too much because for someone who, who dumps on Tesla all the time, you still need a Tesla. <laughs> yes. That's the yes, irony. Yes. <laughs> if anyone else has any questions or anything otherwise uh we can close up shop lay what do you think yeah i think so and uh we'll we'll there, there'll be more caam data come out and and neil day we heard about neil day christmas eve let me see you have a contact i have a contact let's see if we can get a sneak peek about what they're talking about so oh in in the coming days there'll be lease coming out so what kind of models they're going to announce and stuff like that. Yeah. A new brand potentially. So anyways, hey, thanks for joining. As always, everyone, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And we will talk with you all next week. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at Sino Auto Insight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O. I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.